Now streaming, the Netflix and Swill podcast. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Netflix and Swill podcast, your source for Netflix news, reviews, and booze. I'm Caleb. Monster hungry. Monster thirsty. Monster want to get drunk and forget Keanu Reeves' poor acting choices. We'll get to it, but I swear to God, I think think Eli Roth has some blackmail material on Keanu Reeves. Uh, after after watching that movie, I think that Keanu Reeves is trapped in some sort of Faustian bargain where uh, he agreed when he was young that he would be able to play Bill and Ted movies over and over until he was uh, ninety fucking seven, probably, uh, and then in return he would have to be in a real stinker every now and then. You get to be John Wick, but sometimes you'll just being the worst thing ever and you'll be somehow the worst part of it yeah well we'll, we'll talk about it H- uh, how are you well a a worst part of it i'm okay how are you fine just fine uh i'm f- fine uh i'm in the midst of my vacation my what this is day five of my six day vacation i have literally done nothing but play video games and watch movies and football that's great. You already platinumed uh, the new Spider-Man, right? I actually have not. Okay. I didn't know if you were playing that. or I know you uh, tend to plow through those pretty quickly because you're a hardcore elite pro gamer. I, 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 I am. Uh, no, uh, my hardcore elite pro gaming skills have been set on Astro's Playroom, the pack-in game for uh, the PlayStation 5. As my friends have now completed it and started doing the speedruns, so... We uh we've been doing the speed runs like I I did the speed runs like just enough to get the trophy and move on with my life, and then my one friend talked shit to me, so then I I became Michael Jordan and got very petty about it. So I then proceeded <laughs> to, uh, over the course of the weekend, I my I think my time for, my my total time for all eight of the challenges was like six minutes fifty one seconds. It's now down to. Five minutes thirty one seconds. So I lopped off a minute and twenty one or a minute and twenty seconds from my total time for all of them because I'm petty. Play bug snack bug snacks, you fucking coward. I will. I almost said point. bug smacks. I mean, that that's just some, implies they're the that's cereal. got some bad implications. Yeah, gotta have my smacks. Yeah, was that the one? Was that the one? Did they? Was that the slogan? No, I was, was thinking I've gotta have my pops. Oh, that's it. Remember Kicks the cereal? What was Smacks the the frog? Yeah, Kicks. Kick, yeah, Kicks. Uh, t- kid tested, mother approved. Uh, yes. Uh, Smacks was Kicks. the frog. Try our try our uh, bland semi sweet corn spheres. Yeah, I never. I, anybody who had Kicks at their house, I just went, oh, so you're getting abused, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> it's a hey. It's a step up from cornflakes. I don't know. At least I enjoyed cornflakes. Kicks have a little bit of sugary sweetness to them. That's uh, it might it might uh make young men masturbate. If you know anything about uh, the founder of Kellogg cereals, he was all about trying to stop people from masturbating, and uh, he's a big part of the reason why everybody gets circumcised in the United States. Oh. Because he didn't want young men touching themselves, so he made bland cereal that would kill your sex drive. I mean, okay. I don't think he expected anybody, uh, once they hit the age of, like, 25, to stop eating breakfast cereal and just go to eggs. I don't know, and it's just kind of ironic that uh, the logo they chose for the box was a giant cock. Uh, Hey, we got a new patron. We sure did. It's Casey Moore of What's on Netflix. It's a website that 
covers a lot of Netflix news and actually does a a, a good job of writing things up without uh, either A, incorrect yeah. information, or B, stupid bias. Hell yeah. So I feel like this is uh, the beginning of a beautiful partnership. It is, because uh, now, instead of going to my Twitter f- to our Twitter feed and seeing what stories I reposted or like retweeted and such, I just go to whatsonnetflix.com and look for interesting stories that apply to our show. So, thank you, Casey, for existing, first and foremost, and second of all, for giving us money. Yeah. I'm sorry we swear so much. It's okay. I was on a PG-13 podcast that's coming out in a few short days, and I dropped two F-bombs very uh, haphazardly. Just doing the show uh, has conditioned me to swear as much as possible. (laughs) What the French toast? Who are you calling a cootie queen, you lint liquor? That commercial is where Ashley and I first started bonding. Yeah. (laughs) Pickle, you kumquat. Who are you calling a cutie queen? You lint liquor. I love that commercial. That commercial is so good. Yeah. The the Orbit commercials used to be really good when they had the hot blonde woman. And now I don't see commercials for Dirty Orbit. Dirty mouth. Clean it up. Uh, it's a good commercial. Very good commercial. Uh, speaking of very good commercials. New rabbit ears. Yeah. With uh, Sam of Movie Reviews and 20 Qs. And they did Daredevil. Now, I don't know if either of them knew this as... Uh, they did this episode for November, but uh, the Daredevil rights reverted back to Disney today. So, mm-hmm. uh, that that was a big thing. Uh, hashtag save Daredevil since the rights moved back over to Marvel. So, who knows if we will see Daredevil? Uh, probably not because uh, no. co- there's a global pandemic, but yeah, there's hope. Uh, like I said, a couple years ago when we talked about it uh you're not going to see a continuation you'll probably see uh them just kind of sit on the franchise for a few years and then maybe make a movie i hope it's charlie cox but it probably won't be charlie cox as long as it's not ben fucking affleck that's true what has charlie cox done since daredevil ended literally the only thing that i know that he was in was uh Deborah Ann Wall's streaming D&D show, because he did a guest episode on that, Hmm. and I never saw it. I just was aware of it, kind of tangentially aware that it existed. That's fair. Uh, Speaking of which, what has she done since? I think it was, uh, what was it? Would You Rather? Was was it that movie? Yeah. That was it? So they're not doing anything, so Disney, get on it. Man, she's great. She should be in a lot more stuff. Ashley was watching True Blood for some reason. She wasn't even doing it for Rabbit Ears episode. She was just watching True Blood. And uh, Deborah Ann Wall is in there. And I'm like, oh, look, here she is. She's in this show, too. Speaking of True Blood, what's what's Joe Manganiello doing? He was in a Netflix thing. He was in the the Pee Wee movie. Oh, he was in, uh, he did, um, he was Deathstroke in the post-credits scene of Justice League. Yeah. And there was literally nothing that could have gotten me more hyped than seeing that post credit scene. A bald Jesse Eisenberg plus Joe Manganiello as Deathstroke. I was so excited to see where they went from there. And they didn't. You all took that from me. You fucking sons of bitches. I'm straight, but I'm not too straight to admit that Joe Manganiello is really fucking hot. Also, Pittsburgh boy. Also, Flash Thompson in the... um. He was first, first Spider-Man trilogy. <laughs> yeah, he fucking shoved Toby Maguire into a locker. I never realized that until much later when I was like, "Oh, that's Flash." Oh, okay, yeah. I was I think it was uh, watching Rampage, and I'm like, "Oh, Flash is in this movie." Okay, hell yeah, fucking Rampage, man. I kind of liked that movie. <laughs> movie was fucking dumb, but on on IMAX screens, it was awesome. Corey Corey got very high before he went, and we enjoyed watching that movie. Nice. Uh, and finally, of the morning announcements, uh, Dan makes Gerald watch is continuing uh, with Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. What what do we think of it? Uh, join our Patreon to find out. I should have put this after uh, talking about Casey joining our Patreon, but uh, this that's that's on me. 
I made a mistake, but it's fine. Our Patreon's there. Patreon.com slash Netflix and Swill. We'll appreciate you forever. All right. Uh, well, let's start the show as we always do with our time-honored segment. What's your swill? Can we please get some alcohol into my mouth? He hates these cans! Stay away from the cans! Uh, I'm drinking the last of the botanist gin. It's finally done. I can finally say it's over, I will, and I will never get it again. <laughs> it's over. It's done. The bottle has been cast back into the fires of Mount Doom. Gerald, that is from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yes, yes it is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's going to be the next thing, is uh, Caleb makes Gerald watch the Lord of the Rings, because he's never seen any of them. That's and, uh, uh, true. As I as I told him the other day, like it's not even that I'm that I'm that wild on those movies. It's just that like the fact that he's never seen them or read the books and therefore knows nothing about uh, the world of Middle Earth is a crime, and he should be punished. And if Gerald thinks the Harry Potters are long, good God! Well, it's probably about the same runtime. For the three movies, it's Are just you, unless you're doing the extended in three edition movies, eh? Because I own the extended editions. I don't editions. know. I don't particularly care either way. I don't know necessarily that the the extended cuts of those movies add that much more to it. Uh, I'm now preparing to receive a uh, hundred angry tweets saying, "Yes, the extended editions add so much." Okay, well, I, I'm a fucking nerd, but I'm. Like, come on, guys. Damn. Yes, you um, are, nerd. Well, it's after Thanksgiving, and uh, after Thanksgiving, it immediately becomes Christmas, so I'm having eggnog. Oh, okay. See, Gerald, this is the appropriate time where you're allowed to have Christmas beers. I'm proud of you, Caleb, for adhering to the holiday schedule. Mm, I hate it. It's not even December yet as of recording, so. True, but true. It, it, it it comes up quicker every every year, don't it? I mean, I guess. I don't know. Uh, I don't even know what gifts I'm getting my my family. Probably nothing, because there's a global pandemic, but also because... Actually, it should just be like gift cards. Everyone will get a gift card. Solved. Easy peasy. My brother, $25 for Xbox. My sister. Uh, I don't know what she even uses... And normally I would get my parents, like, uh, a restaurant gift card, but considering restaurants are closed or uh, limited capacity due to a global pandemic, uh, I don't even know what to get them at this point. So who the fuck knows? Who? I I, I'm confused, Caleb. This conversation is boring. Let's spice it up with an exciting new segment. Toss some beer to your Caleb. Five-minute adventures. Five-minute adventures. Whoa. Welcome to Five-Minute Adventures, a new short-form improvisational role-playing podcast that exists within an already established podcast. We've been doing Netflix and Swill for a long time, and it's time to throw some spaghetti at the fucking wall and see what sticks. And this is the only way to force Dan to play D&D with me. You've come to the dreaded castle of Yaini in order to save the dragon from an evil princess. The door is sealed shut behind you. Exits are east and south. In your inventory is the magic dagger, a lantern, a pint of oil, and six matches. Somewhere in the distance, you hear the foreboding sound of someone frantically playing the pipe organ. Uh, what kind of magic is the dagger? Very. Very magical. Okay, uh, you're saying there's exit to my east and south. Which way did Correct. I come in? Uh, from the west, the door is sealed shut behind you. Classic boss move, uh, hey, we don't want you to leave this area, kind of thing. Uh, we'll go east. Fuck it. Okay, uh, there is a short staircase ascending. The sound of the, uh, pipe organ music grows louder. Hooray. Wait, I have to go back. Uh, this is an RPG, therefore I have to check every room. Go to the, uh, go back and go to the south. Um, a short flight of stairs descend into what appears to be a dungeon. Uh, there are some skeletons chained to the wall. It's very spooky. A any anything of use in in the basement? Uh, you begin to search around. A uh, 
giant green ball of slime drops down behind you, blocking your your path to get out back out. Uh, what do you do? Well, I pull out my gun, aka magical dagger, and uh, attack. Okay. Um, flip a coin. Uh, tails. You stab into the the slime monster. Uh, and your arm is buried in it up to the elbow. Uh, its acidic body dissolves your arm, uh, leaving a bloodied stump in its place. Oh, dope! Uh, the magic of the dagger reacts violently to the slime, and it explodes. Uh, some of the slime lingers, and you uh, use it in place of your arm. So now you have a cool tentacle where your arm used to be. Uh, it is holding the magic dagger. Dope. Uh, all right, let's go back to the east. Uh, back upstairs, okay. back to the east. You hear pipe organ music. Uh, roll up on the dude playing the pipe organ, because he's obviously a nerd and therefore can't fight. Uh, the the music is just kind of erratic, like there's no tune or anything. Uh, you walk into the room and you see the dragon chained to the wall, uh, clearly suffering from this terrible, terrible song, and uh, a crazy woman hammering away at the keys. Uh, can I... I guess uh, tentacle arm and stab the per- the woman in the back like a real man. <laughs> All right, you do a quick murder. Uh, the pipe organ music stops. Uh, the dragon is free. You win. This has been Five Minute Adventures, uh, a segment that I'll probably never do again because <laughs> I bet a lot of people hated it. Thanks for tuning in. There- there's a reason we have timestamps in the show notes, Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and now on to the main attraction, the real reason you're here. The news! Oh, shit, it's mail time. As the 62 million households worldwide have watched The Queen's Gambit in its first 28 days, which is the standard time measurement that Netflix uses, uh, making it the most viewed limited series on Netflix thus far. This is just a reminder that when Netflix releases numbers, an account that watches at least two minutes of one episode is considered a viewer. Caleb! It's a very popular show that you had us watch because you're a very smart man. Uh, what do you think about these numbers? Uh, I think that's reassuring, given how much I enjoyed the show. Um, it also makes sense because I saw like 30,000 Reddit threads talking about it, so it seems like it's very popular. This has me wondering if Netflix should just permanently move to a limited series format considering the giant success that this was, because I feel like a lot of people watch it knowing that it's a limited series, knowing they're only going to get a certain amount of episodes, and therefore their favorite show isn't going to get canceled, because there's, what, seven episodes, and that's it. Can't cancel it if it all comes out at the same time. Yeah. So, I would not be shocked if that was a direction that Netflix decided to pursue in, but... Uh, I don't know if that's a pivot you can make now, considering the fact that uh, this literally just came out, and you typically need like two to three years before you can make a pivot regarding content. So I don't even know if it's something they would they would even think about doing. Maybe it's just like a different offering compared to everything else. But based off of their series viewing numbers from this year, they've all been relatively low, and I feel like people are getting fed up with the cancellations. So seeing something at sixty two million is uh, very reassuring that people should be checking this out. I agree. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, Next up, Netflix has removed Chappelle's show after Dave Chappelle himself requested them to do so. Chappelle states that Viacom hasn't paid him since he initially left the show and is unaware of the streaming rights negotiations. Uh, This is... A solid bro move on Netflix's part. Uh, it seems like they have a pretty a pretty stable business relationship with Dave Chappelle, and uh, well, it just seems like they're trying to be accommodating. Yeah. So, uh, even even Dave Chappelle joked about that. He was like, "Yo, Netflix knows like we're homies. Like, I yeah, I came to them. They gave me a stand up special. I made them a ton of money based off of that. So they know what's up. Yeah, and um." Having recently watched some Chappelle show episodes after many years of not seeing them, uh, because it was put on Netflix, it uh doesn't really hold up as well as people 
thought it did. Let's never forget oh, yeah. the N-word just... family. That skit was very good. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of good material on the show, but I don't know. It's 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 not his best body of work, we'll say. Hmm. That's a good question. I don't know, because there's, I, I, there's, to me, there's a lot of high points to that series, like the N-Word family, uh, trading spouses, pop copy. Trading spouses is real good. Um, I don't know, his fucking uh, modern remake of Ghost was very good. Um, the player Charlie Haley's Charlie Murphy's ball. True Hollywood Stories was Charlie very Mur- good. Charlie Murphy's thing. Uh, there was also that episode where he did, like, failed skits. Uh, which uh, was a tremendous oh, yeah. idea because it's like, hey, I mean, we write shit and sometimes it doesn't work out. Uh, and I will always remember the play haters going back in time to slavery oh, yeah. times. <laughs> they go they go back through time hating on people. When are we going to be free? How about now-ish? <laughs> and he fucking shoots the slave owner. And he's like, and, and it just that's does when like a the jump scene cut to- ends. Yeah, he just does a fucking jump cut to Dave just losing it, and it's like, apparently, shooting a white slave owner on TV isn't very PC. <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah, there there were a lot of really great ones on there, but... And then there was also um, the, um... There's a few musical guests, like the, Ian Most Def on there. Wayne Brady, obviously, we forgot about Wayne Brady. I mean, that's, like, probably the most iconic sketch from that show. Uh, but then, like, there was the yeah. the Wycliffe John, uh, Wycliffe John, and um, John Mellencamp, not Mellencamp, uh, John Mayer, uh, thing. Like that. Oh, that's probably yeah. my favorite musical performance on the show. Yeah, that was really good. Huh. You see, I was like starting the show back from the beginning, but I think all of those episodes that were really, really great were in the second season. So I mean, never forget his his first episode. Was the black white supremacist episode? Yeah, but that's the one. Like, I I do think that that sketch is objectively funny, but also like white people kind of ruined it for everybody by quoting it out of context. That sounds like white people. Yeah. Oh fuck! Let's never for- don't forget the racial draft. The racial draft was kind of hilarious. Yeah, the Wu-Tang Clan's Chinese now. Yeah, the Wu-Tang Clan is Chinese. Just so everybody knows. <laughs> they start with konnichiwa, bitches, and it's like, that's Japanese. <laughs> well, I think it was just, uh, like... Oh, it's Asian, just Asian. Like, it was, it was white, black, yeah. Latino, Asian, and, uh... Oh, fuck, what was it? Oh, no, it's just those four, right? Um, and Jewish. Oh, the... <laughs> yeah, because, uh... Oh fuck! They Which, they drafted the, Lenny Kravitz. Yeah, yeah. Lenny Kravitz became Jewish in a surprise pick. Uh, Col- Colin Powell fucking... is white as well as Condoleezza Rice. Yeah, we'll give you Colin Powell as long as you agree to also take Condoleezza Rice. What a fucking wild show! So, uh, if Chappelle's show ever gets back on Netflix, make sure you watch it because that show some pretty great moments. And it has some great moments in hookup history. Another great skit. When keeping it real goes wrong. <laughs> the mad real world. Mm. Where it's just, it's it's all black people except for one white guy, so the white guy looks yeah. like he's insane. Yep. <laughs> it's 3 a.m., I'm trying to sleep. What's wrong with you people? The fuck you mean, you people? Ah, <laughs> uh, that shit cracks me up. Uh, yeah, our next story is that the Obamas are producing a comedy series based on the Trump administration. Yeah, I I saw this and it it's weird. Um, it seems like it's beneath the Obama family. Like, why? Like, don't get me wrong. Like. Barack Hussein Obama, uh, most people forget the Hussein, but it's important to remember his middle name, I guess. Um, he's he's a very funny person, like if you ever watch the White House Correspondents' Dinners. Yes. Um, he has amazing comedic timing. Uh, it's weird, like it seems like he's punching down 
Like, I don't think he's the person to, like, swing down like that, you know? Yeah. Like, we we all get it. Like, Trump sucks. Like, you don't have to punt. Like, you were doing some good stuff by producing uh, documentaries, highlighting people, and now this just feels like you're taking a step backwards by shitting on the Trump administration, where you could just be like, yeah, look, dude sucks. Well, I don't have to make a fucking I mean, series about it. Don't get me wrong. Like, make make your hay while the sun's shining, but, you know. It just it just seems weird. Other old news. Uh, Netflix and Choose Co. settle the Bandersnatch Choose Your Own Adventure lawsuit. Uh, Choose Co. retains the trademark to the phrase Choose Your Own Adventure. Uh, it is not going to be considered a generic term. Um, huh. Basically, Netflix probably just didn't see uh, an end to litigation and just wanted to be done with it and paid them uh, an undisclosed amount of money just to have them fuck off, I guess. But I uh, I know a lot of people were kind of hoping to see Netflix, you know, go through the whole legal battle and try to get that overturned because, like, Choose Your Own Adventure has kind of become a, a generic thing, even though Choose Co retains the trademark to that but they're like very litigious about it yeah but. well it's like uh cotton swabs like like no one says cotton yeah. swabs they say q-tips yeah no one says facial tissues yeah or uh no one says uh bandage they say band-aid band-aid yeah. is a brand in case you didn't know everybody so like it's ubiquitous i almost feel like you should like you could get away with saying those kind of things, and I feel like Choose Your Own Adventure should be ubiquitous, but uh, I guess Netflix was just like, eh, we'll spend more money through this by trying to keep going with the court case as opposed to whatever we're doing. Yeah. Alright, our next story is that. Queen Sono, which was originally renewed back in April, uh, is now cancelled due to COVID-19. Uh, mainly that's it, but also because it shoots in, like, a hundred, uh, like a hundred different countries. So it's like trying to get your cast and crew through, uh, you know, customs and through yeah. COVID protocols. It just, there's, it does not make sense to them to do such things. Uh, makes sense. It certainly won't be the last, uh, show to get the ax due to COVID. Yep. Uh, speaking of, Dark Times being upon us. David Lynch is writing a, and directing a new Netflix series, working title Wisteria. The series will begin production in May 2021. So actually, uh, speaking speaking of Casey Moore, he he, uh, he he did break the the news that this was a thing that was happening. Uh, so that got shared around the internet. He became viral. Good for you, Casey. Uh, so I just wanted to talk about that. Oh man, you don't want to become viral in 2020. Oh no. Uh, obviously we are getting a What Did Jack Do extended universe because that's what I fucking deserve at this point. <laughs> uh, other than that, I have never seen a single David Lynch thing, so. You need to watch Twin Peaks. It's on Netflix still. We'll see for how much longer, but it's like. I don't know if you I don't know if you are aware of this, but uh there's a shit ton of stuff leaving Netflix in December. Like yeah. way too much. December is always the big month for shit leaving cuz they I feel like they make deals for calendar years. Yeah. But I feel like a lot of it is not coming back and we're now just going to be stuck with uh shit like Knock Knock and Netflix Originals. <laughs> All right, our final story is that according to a Twitter person called uh, Saqib Shah, who uh, has a check mark, so they're obviously a famous person, uh, Netflix is testing an expansion of its top 10 feature into a top 50. This will still break out into TVs and movies, as the top 10 currently does. According to a Netflix spokesperson, we have seen with the top 10, members like to know what's popular when picking what to watch. We're testing if showing an expanded list of popular titles around the globe will be helpful. As with all our tests, we will only roll it out to members. Oh, uh, we will only roll it out if members find it useful. Caleb, do you think this is going to be useful? Um, 
as long as it doesn't take up a giant amount of space on the UI for Netflix, it's fine. I don't know. I feel like most people will stop scrolling after the 20th most popular thing. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I don't see how this could be any more useful than a top 10. And also, this is going to embolden people of canceled shows being like, but it was in the top 50. That means it was important, right? And I don't need that in my life. Fuck those people. Yeah. That's uh, that's what I really need to see in my life is The Office on more lists. <laughs> well, don't you worry. It's leaving for Peacock. We're going to be finally done with it. I know it. <laughs> All right. And then I'll move us over into Downstream, where we talk about a trailer that is coming for a, a show that's going to be on Netflix soon. Baby, I can't control the internet. That's my favorite line! That's right, and that trailer is for Equinox. There's another reality hiding behind the one we're living in. Unravel the mystery of Equinox on December 30th. Uh, I feel like this show will appeal to fans of Dark, who are now missing Dark since it was ended earlier this year. So you're all welcome to check this out. Uh, I will probably be checking this out uh, when it when it comes um, out. Yeah. Uh, speaking of David Lynch, this this trailer is very ambiguous and uh, mysterious, and there's spooky things happening, and we don't really know what it is yet. Because they're not giving us any information. Uh, based off of the Netflix synopsis, it was basically like, oh, uh, this woman had a um, uh, her like her sister died, and now she wants answers, and she's been wanting answers, and now this person can provide answers. I think that's what it was. I I sort of remember, but it, like re watching this uh this trailer, I went, oh, yeah, I'm into this. Well, all right, and. That will move us over into quick hits. I'll go easy on you. I, I didn't watch uh, any extra stuff this week, so... You were busy crafting a five-minute D&D campaign. <laughs> I guess. Uh, I watched part of season two of Kakaguri. Uh, they're, they've raised the stakes. Now there's uh this... Famous, I guess, uh, influential family that has descended upon the Academy. Uh, I don't remember what the name is right now, but basically everyone's uh, sur surname? Is that is that last name? Is surname last name? Yeah. Okay. Uh, everyone's surname, surname is family name. Ah. Uh, everyone's surname ends with Bami, uh, and therefore they're part of a clan that's like the Yoko Bami clan. Uh which, uh, if I told you guys last week that our uh, main character's name is Yumiko Jabami, you would understand how significant that is, because uh, it turns out she's a minor clan clan member. Uh, and now they, they're they trying to win a student council election, because whoever wins the student council election becomes the leader of the Yokobami clan. Uh, so there's that. It's... More of the same. Like, I, I, I don't have any issue with it. It's uh, pretty well written for the most part, uh, except for, you know, the intro and outro, just showing boobs and uh, it's upskirt shots. And it's just, that, that part's just really weird. But, you know, the actual show itself, uh, done with, like, a little bit of weirdness, but it's anime, so you almost kind of have to ignore it. Uh, I only watched, like, four episodes because... I only worked one day this week, and I was very busy that day trying to make sure no one had to do any of my work. So uh, I I was doing that instead. But uh, yeah, Kakaguri is pretty decent. All right. Well, Dan, why don't we cut into a quick break? And when we get back, we'll talk about Hillbilly Elegy, our main topic review for this week, uh, and a documentary about my people. The Netflix and Swole podcast is brought to you by our patrons. Gerald Morris, Bill Sutton, Nick Haskins, Ashley the Bubby Gorski, Ben Kiefer, Paul Prezula, Daniel Henderson, Julio Oliveira, Jimmy Della Rosa, Chris Yaney, Brianna Petty, Nate Wade, Alan Gallarisi, Duty Dutram, Casey Moore, and Dan's mom. 
If you would like to become a patron of the show, find us at netflixandswill.com slash Patreon. Buy some shit. Visit netflixandswill.com slash merch. Leave a review and tell me how good I'm getting at public speaking. Visit netflixandswill.com slash Apple Podcasts. Thanks for letting us live our dreams of being professional idiots. We now return you to your regularly scheduled banter. Welcome back, everybody. Caleb, it's time to get into our main review topic for the week. Hillbilly Elegy. Hillbilly Elegy is a 2020 drama film uh, rated R and a 6.6 out of 10 on IMDb, making it 1.4 stars better than Tall Girl. A Yale law student drawn back to his hometown grapples with family history, Appalachian values, and the American dream. Directed by Ron Howard, based on the book by J.D. Vance about his own life. Uh, and stars Gabriel Basso, Amy Adams, and Glenn Close. Dan, what did you think of Val Hillbilly Elegy? All right. Well, I want everyone to remember what Corey said uh, maybe a month ago regarding uh, how people talk about movies. As I say everything that I want to say, uh, this movie is average below average it's it's a whatever movie the most notable thing about it is it's sitting at a 25% on Rotten Tomatoes and I don't think it's like that bad but like it's it's not good like it's clear it's clearly Oscar bait it clearly has no idea what it's trying to do like there's a lot of uh, not narration but like voiceover and that kind of stuff so it already doesn't sit well with me but then like Amy Adams is acting like she's being eaten by a fucking bear. Uh, that's like this is like her, yeah. her, her revenant where she's like, "Oh, I really want an Oscar, so I'm just gonna go, uh, like screech at everything." And I was like, "Eh, I don't know about that." Glenn Close, I like much more. Uh, the makeup effects, in particular, uh, at the very end of the movie, they show like home movies of this kid, and you you see like how his grandma and mom looked and you're like, holy fuck the makeup effects they did on Glenn Close and Amy Adams, especially Glenn Close. But uh, those look great. Well, I mean, Glenn Close looks exactly like an Appalachian grandma because she looked like all of my friends, grandmas and all of my grandmas. What oversized t-shirt? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and a secondhand t-shirt that says I shaved my balls for this. She really should have just had all the all of uh, Adam Sandler's <laughs> mom shirts, fucking, all the Hubie Halloween shirts. Yeah. That would be amazing. But then just play it completely straight. Oh yeah, hundred percent. There's a lot of things that this movie does really well, which is why it's so disappointing. Okay. I come from a family that has people who struggle with addiction. I come from a family with a history of domestic abuse. I come from a family with a history of not being financially stable, of not knowing where your next meal's coming from. This is something that should have spoken to me on a very deeply personal level. But it really kind of didn't. Okay. Um, I feel like... <sighs> I don't know if this movie's too bombastic in its approach or if it's too understated like i feel like it wanted to have something really poignant to say about you know just getting out and the work that each generation puts in just to give the next generation a slight chance of doing a little better but like that's not what they did with it but like that's that was the point of the book that this is based on and why that book was so successful. And like, I, I don't know why they didn't lean into that harder. I don't know. I think the thing that I hated most about this movie is that you have ostensibly a main character, uh, in JD. Yes. Who is kind of just like a cookie cutter person that like, they never, attempt to connect you to so like i feel like glenn close is supposed to be the main character and at other times amy adams is supposed to be the main character but like they don't like they're not the ones 
trying to like solve the main conflict of the plot so they're like background protagonists i i think the big problem is he's so vanilla like yeah watch how the movie progresses there's about maybe 15 20 minutes where he actually goes down a path of misbehavior and being ungrateful and all that stuff but outside of those 15 minutes he is about as lawful good as you can get for a character and that's not interesting because it's just like oh he's very bland he's very vanilla and when you have yeah. that he just the only sucks. the only uh conflicts that he ever faces are external yes there's one internal conflict one time, and it's uh, when his mom pushes him to take a drug test for her, basically. And that's it. And it's resolved within five minutes, and it's never brought back up. I don't know if that's supposed to be the message of the movie, but it's like every time he has a chance to potentially get out when he's younger, and like... There's people standing right there waiting for him to tell the truth that will set him free, but he lies on behalf of his family every time. Mm -hmm. So, like, is the moral of the movie that, like, no matter how good you try to do in life, family's always going to be there to drag you back into it? Because it seems like it. Well, that's something, like, Glenn Close says in the car, like, in her Oscar scene, where she's like, look, family's the only thing you got. Like, that's the one thing you can count on is family. And like, but everything in the movie up to that point is basically showing the contrary that your family is doing nothing yeah. but dragging you back down and trying to bring you back into the shit you tried to leave from. Yeah. Like she set her fucking husband on fire in the best scene in the movie. <laughs> they try to make you care more about him. Like you have, for what it's worth, like, Probably the best performance that she could have given uh, Frida Pinto as his girlfriend uh, who's back at school and like literally phoning in her performance. Yes, they're fucking because they don't share any screen time together. They fucking FaceTime. They literally so, uh, were just like, oh, we like, need a reason she's to basically, put this woman in this movie, basically. She's she's in the movie and like the timing of the plot of the movie around his like very important job interviews and stuff it's to try to create conflict for him but it it doesn't like it just i i yeah. don't get it yeah no the like the the conflict comes from his family there's no conflict within himself or with his girlfriend because almost immediately she's understanding and that's fine in real life, that's fine, having an understanding person being like, hey, I'm going through some shit, and her just being like, okay, that's fine, you do your thing. But in a movie, it's pretty uninteresting. Watching, like, you know, uh, like, it would probably be more interesting to see this guy get hit from all sides uh, of, like, hey, his life is really crumbling right now, can he yeah. get it all together and then go back to this job interview that he has uh, later that day? <sighs> I do I do wish cuz I was reading a little bit about like what the book was like because of this and um like I wish this would have kind of tied more into the the themes of the book like the reason the book was so popular and so successful and why it got a film adaptation is because it came out kind of right around the the 2016 election cycle mm -hmm. and it was very much like you know somebody who had who had made it who was part of the academic elites and you know like what you would consider mainstream society uh writing about his upbringing in you know the rust belt working class you know whatever um so it was kind of like a codex to understand like how how these people could have made Donald Trump their president uh, because it's like there really is kind of a mentality in Appalachia of like it's it's us against the world like we're the the gritty survivalists and the government's trying to fuck us and we've got to you know protect ourselves and protect our family and you know all this shit but mm -hmm. there's also fucking like I know several people who have died from heroin overdoses like that's just a part of everyday life here 
Sure. I don't know. I've never, I've always lived in suburbia. Uh, with the exception of the time I was in Clarion. And when I was in Clarion, basically it was like a small town because there were just so many people there from school. So it was like a different kind of atmosphere. So I don't, yeah. I'm not familiar with this kind these kind of people where they, you know, hill people, I would be that guy at the yeah. table who, who says a lot of derogatory things about, uh, JD's family. That would be me. Well, yeah, and that's what it shows him at the the meeting with, like, the dinner meeting with um all the people at the law firm that he's trying to intern with. And, like, they start, like, ripping on him from being from an Appalachian family. And they're like, you know, oh, now that you're you're a real person who's educated, it must be so surreal going back and being surrounded by all these rednecks. And, like, you can tell that that hurts him. Yeah. Like, that's the closest thing to character development that they give him in the movie. You can <laughs> tell that that hurts him, but, like, he still decides to cash in on that to try to score brownie points by claiming this, like, really faint tangential connection to the Hatfield-McCoy uh, feud uh -huh. to, like, gain their interest and, like, make himself stand out in their minds, I guess. I don't know. It's It seems... uh. Seems kind of odd. I don't know. I wish... I, don't know. I, I just wish it was written better because, like, there's ways to actually make everything interesting. I think the big problem is that, like, it's it jumps around a lot between present and past and then, like, there I don't know what's going on, like, what's being told in what order because it just decides to exist. Yeah. Which, um... It doesn't give you any indication when it's going to change timelines either. Like it just this movie gives you whiplash. Um, I don't know. I wish that I wasn't complaining about it so much because, like I said, there's there's a lot of things that this does really well. Well, such as, um, I do think that this is probably not a career defining performance for Glenn Close, but it's it's very very good. I like her um, a lot. Yeah. Uh, Amy Adams is good. Like, sometimes she's just, like, over the top unhinged, and it's like... <sighs> yeah. No, I agree. It's like, like I said, I... it's like, this is her getting attacked by a bear. Like, this is her trying very hard for an Oscar. I can't tell if she, like, went super method and was strung out on meth and flipping out. Because I've seen people on meth and they kind of do act like that. Or, like, what the fuck was going on there, but I don't think Amy Adams does meth. I just, I don't know. She's a very sweet woman. Um, but no, it's like, just, it's fucking wild to watch sometimes. Uh, I will say I did like the kid much more than the adult version of JD. I thought the kid was a much better actor. I mean, I looked it up, yeah. Gabriel Basso hasn't... Uh, been in anything since 2016 oof and this movie kind of shows why <laughs> the last thing he was in was american wrestler the wizard i guess like on a technical level i will say two things uh, i think the cinematography is very bland and boring and doesn't add anything to the movie and the score sucks like hans zimmer worked on part of the score i don't uh, I don't know what the gerund means in movie credits, but I know and and gerund mean something completely different depending on how they're used. So I don't know what huh. fucking Ron Howard did in order to make uh, Hans Zimmer probably the best active uh, composer for for movies going right mm -hmm. now uh, sounds so fucking bland and uninterested in what he was doing in this movie. But fuck you, Ron Howard. I don't know. I think I'm done. I'm also done. Uh, what would you rate this? I wish I could go 2.25. I really do. Like, that's like the perfect rating for this. It's like right there. But uh, I'm going to go two and a half. Yeah, uh, I'm also going to do two and a half. I honestly found it a little bit offensive. It, they they kind of play it up for. Like they're they're playing it straight, but like I feel like you're supposed to laugh at the absurdity of it, but it's like 
they're talking about things that really aren't funny, so. Uh, and that was a big criticism that I saw with this, is like, Hollywood doesn't know how to capture poor people. And it's like, well, well that's probably yeah, true. Yeah, it's like, it's like here's here's the academic team of elites who are gonna talk about how rednecks can better themselves. <laughs> Which, which, like, that is exactly why, you know, rural America has this attitude of, you know, uh, separationism and, you know, high society's gonna come and try to take our guns and we gotta shoot all the coronavirus or whatever. Yeah. <sighs> okay. I'm sorry, I had to take that a was, deep breath That was there. cathartic. Yeah, uh, I, because I realized it's time, Caleb. Uh, after this break, we're about to take. We're going to talk about a cautionary tale. <laughs> we're going to take a, a hard left turn <laughs> uh, from from Ron Howard trying to do poor people artfully to Eli Roth d- doing shit, Try, trying to do Keanu Reeves dirty. Yeah, uh, so stay tuned for that. It wasn't, it wasn't even a cool dog, like a Rottweiler. <laughs> no, it's like, no, a schnauzer. schnauzer almost took me off the earth. <laughs> so, did you drink a lot? Did you yeah. uh, do drugs? I mean, what? Yeah, I, yes, to both. <laughs> <laughs> and I got to tell you, I, I was an ass. Really? For the bulk of those years. Okay, just and like what you mean, arrogant? Y- arrogant. It was just all about Phil Moon, whatever Phil Moon could do to benefit Phil Moon. Okay. Uh, and I didn't care who I walked on, who I stepped on, who I angered. Have you ever passed someone on the sidewalk and wondered what their story is? What makes them tick? What makes them who they are? I'm Nathan Wade, and I'm the host of Everyone Has a Story podcast. Each week we interview an average person and explore the events that have impacted, shaped, and molded them into the individuals they are today. In this world of vicious social media rants and bitter partisan politics, we need to put the Facebook down and shut the Fox News or CNN off and take our neighbor a plate of cookies. I'm trying to do my small part here to bring people a little closer together. So grab your favorite beverage, find a comfy chair, and join me in on the conversation. Everyone Has a Story releases a new episode every Monday morning. You can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You can also listen and subscribe at everyonehasastorypodcast.com. Remember, everyone is unique. Everyone has a story. What's yours? Welcome back, everybody. Caleb. Uh, as Ashley would say, I fucked up, but I didn't fuck up technically. I up. Uh, because it's time to talk about a cautionary tale of Netflix. Welcome to Cautionary Tales of Netflix, where Netflix and Swill. You know, one-star movies are terrible. They'll make you want to gouge your fucking eyes out. And that's what this show is all about. Warning people about the dangers of shitty movies. Here's a nice piece of shit. Uh, this week's movie is called Knock Knock. It's a 2015 drama, thriller, erotic horror movie. Yep. Uh, a 4.9 out of 10 on IMDb. Just slightly worse than Tall Girl. A devoted father helps two stranded young women who knock on his door but his kind gesture turns into a dangerous seduction in a deadly game of cat and mouse. It's directed by Eli Roth and uh, stars Keanu Reeves. Dan, why... How could you have done this? Uh, it was a poorly rated movie on Netflix, so I was like, ah, perfect for cautionary tales of Netflix. Okay. I hate this segment. <laughs> Keanu Reeves is a pretty good actor sometimes. This isn't one of them. Uh, he, like, way overacts. It's like they they were doing a script read, but he didn't realize it was the actual take. And Eli Roth was just like, got it, move on to the next scene. And he was like, whoa. I want to get one positive out of the way, and then we can shit on the movie. Uh, Anna de Armas is a very beautiful woman. You get to see her boobs. Now let's move on to the rest of the movie. It's super weird though, because like they claim to be like fifteen, 
and then they're naked. Yep. It's like, is this a pedophile movie? Is this hard candy too? Uh, this basically is a snuff film, which is a big part of the reason why I I had such a visceral hatred for this movie and myself for watching it, and I was just grinding my teeth the entire time. Uh huh. Um, this was a truly awful experience. Well. I could have told you that it was going to be a truly awful experience based off of uh, two words, Eli Roth. I'm sorry, four words, directed by Eli Roth. <laughs> uh, I, I would like to create a petition that prevents Eli Roth from directing any movies ever again. Uh, and I hope I can get everyone listening to this show uh, to sign that petition, because we we don't need that in our lives. Yeah, I don't know. I think that probably the best thing in his catalog of things he's directed was probably Cabin Fever, but that wasn't great. In Hostel, oh, I know yeah. people like that movie for some reason, but that's basically a snuff film. Oh no, uh, he produced Hostel, he directed Hostel too. Oh, excuse me. Yeah. Or no, he did. he did direct Hostel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he he directed, wrote, and produced it. Man, what a pervert. What? What a... I get why uh, Anna de Armas and What's-Her-Fuck, the other girl, are in this movie. Because, like, at this point, Anna de Armas is working her way into Hollywood. So, totally understand why she's in it. Other girl, never seen her before in anything. Uh, So She's in No Time to Die. So, I'm guessing, like, she hasn't been in anything, so, like... Uh, she's trying to break out in an Eli Roth movie. I don't understand why Keanu Reeves is in, is in this movie. Yeah, I don't know. What was, um, there was some really shitty movie we watched with uh, Bruce Willis in it. And we were like, why is Bruce Willis in this? Like, he, he made it. Like, yeah, he's not, like, as big of a star now, but, like, surely he doesn't have to do this. Oh, it was, uh, I think it was, like, with Jason Patrick. I think that's who it was starring. And ba- and I wish that Cameron Mitchell was still alive because he would have done the Bruce Willis r- role perfectly, but uh, instead we got Bruce Willis. Um, I just feel like Eli Roth has like blackmail on Keanu Reeves, and he was like, "You're gonna be in my movie, or I'm gonna release the 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 thing where I make you look bad to everybody." And he's like, "All right, fine, I'll do this." And uh, Ke- Keanu has endured. It's probably a video of him fucking a, a girl while he's tied up to the bed. It's a joke from this movie. I guess we can talk about the plot. Yeah, no one needs to watch this. No one needs to watch this. Um, So Keanu stays home while his wife and kids go to the beach. Because uh, he has to work on stuff. There's a knock at the door. And it's two girls, uh, and they come in and say a lot of really inappropriate stuff. And he says, nah, I, I don't really want to fuck you. Uh, but then they they basically just, like, force themselves on him. And then he, I guess, is just like, well, yeah, fuck it. I guess I'm already, I'm already inside this girl, so I'll just keep going. Uh-huh. Which is a really disgusting scene, and I hated it. Uh, but then these two bitches never leave, and they just decide, like, they're, I guess they just do this to people. They go around, like, wrecking homes, killing guys, uh-huh. and uh, it just gets worse. Yeah. And worse and worse. Yeah, that's what this is, is they eventually coerce men into having sex with them by never leaving their homes, and then they go and ruin their lives. Yeah. And, uh... I don't know, they give Keanu uh, a shoulder injury as an excuse for, like, not just having him beat the fuck out of these two women, which also wouldn't have been a great movie, but it would have been a more realistic movie. Um, so that, like, these these two crazy psycho women can, like, keep getting the upper hand on him and, like physically overpower John Wick. 
So, to point out, John Wick came out in 2014. This came out in 2015. Yeah, this is post John Wick. I I don't get this at all. Well, like I that's don't. something that I don't like. Also, is that you know it's this is John Wick. Like we we've come to expect Keanu Reeves to do some fucking very practical looking fight scenes with people, and in this it's just him tied to a chair basically the whole fucking time. Yeah. Fucking point break Keanu could have beat these women's asses. I mean, Matrix Keanu could have beaten these women's asses. Well, yeah, he could have erased them from existence because he can see the code. Uh, Speed Keanu could have run them over with a bus. Uh, I think my favorite part of the movie was when Keanu was like, yeah, I'm 43. And I looked up and he was (laughs) like 50 at the time. So I'm like. I mean, yeah, he has the fountain of youth. I guess hey, he looks 50, hey, 43. Do you, you want to hear some IMDb trivia oh, I mean, on this movie? How did Eli Evan Roth says get... that he's <laughs> Evan says that he's 43 years old. In actuality, Keanu was 49 at the time of filming. Okay. Good trivia. <laughs> Eli Roth's wife, Lorenza Izzo, portrays Genesis and appears nude. Oh, that explains everything. This isn't really great trivia. This is just movie facts, I guess. Well, sure. But that's that makes sense as to why she's in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't make sense as to why she's naked. acting ability. Yes. Uh, the Taiwan Chinese title translates to When Babes Come Knocking. I mean, sure. Monkey, Evan's pet, is a French bulldog. I fucking hate IMDb trivia. <laughs> I mean, Monkey was my probably my favorite part, aside from uh, the random Detroit Rock City cameo that we got in this movie. Well, there were there were a couple good songs in this movie. There was Detroit Rock City, which I stand by that being actually a very good song. And there was also Where Is My Mind by the Pixies, which is a fucking great song. Uh-huh. 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 Yeah. Sure. That was about it. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I don't have any positives other than Detroit. I I was shocked that they blew their whole budget on Detroit Rock City. And uh, Anna DeArmas is uh, Anna DeArmas. Yeah. Because you know Paul Stanley got paid. Oh, of course. Live to win. That's probably the greatest television montage of all time. <laughs> so yeah, um, this is a movie that we watched. I'll never get the time back, mm-hmm, and uh, mm-hmm. I wish that I would have shoved a bunch of uh, pointy objects up my butt instead. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, it's a one star. I agree. This is a one star movie. This movie sucks. Uh, I would apologize, but this was the exact point of this of this segment is to watch terrible movies. So uh, I did it. Just for that, you're getting more five minute adventures. That's fine. That was always allowed. Uh, so with that, Caleb, what are we doing next week? Uh, next week we are watching Mank along with our friend Nick from Nikolai's Kitchen. Uh, which is a podcast about food. Mm-hmm. I I used his herb butter for uh, Thanksgiving and everything I made on Thanksgiving, and it was very delicious. Although I think my lemon my lemon was a little too big. I had a little too much lemon zest in there, but other than that, that was my fault. Uh, he 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 suggests good stuff. And my wife used his advice to create the perfect chocolate ganache for her Boston cream pie. There you go. And also, along with that, we are doing a patron-requested review for The Master, uh, which comes to us by way of Julio. So if you thought we were done with Amy Adams, you were wrong. All right. Uh, tell them stuff, Dan. Uh, you can find us at netflixandswill.com, netflixandswill.com slash Patreon. will take you to our Patreon page, uh, netflixandswill.com slash Apple Podcast. take you to our Apple Podcast page, where you can subscribe and review us. Uh, so that way we know that you love us. That's it. Those are the those are the main two. I mean, Netflix and Spotify slash Spotify takes you to Spotify. 
netflixandswill.com slash whatever. Put something in there. Find out where it goes. Thank you to Space Weather for the use of our theme song, Bitter. As in, I am have a bitter taste in my mouth after this week's episode. I mean, yeah. And until next week, this is Caleb saying we will see you next Tuesday. 